I was riding the escalator. Sermon number six was times of refreshing. And last week's sermon was Samson's weakness. And the tagline this whole time has been Samson's tragic loss of potential. And I hope that through the sermon series that you have found ways to A, avoid losing potential in your life, but you've also learned how to deal with lost potential in your life. So we'll pray and we'll continue on with our last sermon in this series. Father, we thank you so much for what you've been teaching us through Samson's life. Lord God, it's easy to see in our own lives the ways that we lose potential in things that you have for us by our own desires and our own weaknesses and our own things that we put in the way of you. And I ask that you would just teach us once more from, from Samson's life the things that you desire to do in our lives. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah, so today we wrap up our, our summer series by reading the, the dramatic culmination of Samson's story. It's in Judges 16 is where we're hanging out today. We'll begin in, in uh, verse 22 of Judges 16. It's been a long, hard ride for our guy from, from Zorah. He was, he was blessed. He was called. He was strong as strong can be. The question was, what would he do with it all? And Matt recapped the, the, the sermons. And, and for us, it all began back that first Sunday in, in July. It was part one. Like Matt said, it was called, it was, the title of the sermon was Called from Birth. And we learned there that Samson was a Nazarite. That doesn't mean he was born in Nazareth. It speaks of the vow of the Nazarite. And it spoke of total commitment to God. It requires that we be distinct and different from the world. In fact, the Hebrew word Nazar, N-A-Z-I-R, means consecrated. Part two, Samson was moved by the Spirit in the camp of Dan. Remember that? It was in this message that we talked about the nine ways that God speaks to us. Part three was a message about living God's way instead of my way. I even sang to you a little bit that day. The message included the perils of being unequally yoked with unbelievers. Part four was sweet and sour. We talked about five behind-the-scenes building blocks in the life of a Christian. Part five was a story of retribution and revenge called Riding the Escalator. It was there we asked you to write down grudges that you're holding, and we had you run them through the shredder, remember, before you took communion. And I will never forget the long line waiting to let go of any resentment that could in any way form in us a root of bitterness. I'm so thankful for how responsive you are as a congregation. Part six was a list of five ways to experience the presence of God in a message called Times of Refreshing. Last week, part seven, Samson's story looked to have come to a sad and tragic end. Delilah discovered the secret to Samson's strength by exploiting Samson's weakness. She enticed him, and he fell asleep on her lap, and she cut his hair. With his strength gone and the presence of the Lord departed, the Bible says the Philistines subdued him and put out his eyes. Some versions say they bored out his eyes. 
Then they brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with fetters of brass and put him to work grinding in the prison house. It looked like a a bitter end. It looked like a bitter defeat for the once proud, strong man of Israel. As we've studied Samson, hopefully we've learned some things. Let me give you three things real quick that we've learned. First, while his legend is bigger than life and he appeals to us as as sort of a biblical superhero, he isn't a hero at all. He, He was foolish and selfish and he was driven by his own carnal desires. Second, we we came to see how he squandered his potential and how as judge of Israel he missed an opportunity to be a difference maker for the kingdom of God. And third, we observed how Samson always worked alone. I can't help but see this as a a significant limiting factor in the life and story of Samson. And and there's a, a variety of of reasons for it, I believe. Let me give you three reasons Samson worked alone. I've gotten to the point where one list leads into the, uh, to another. Number, uh, so three reasons Samson worked alone. Number one, he, he had a spirit of independence. He was self-sufficient. He was strong and he was powerful and he was influential. He just didn't need anybody. He was a legend in his own mind. Another reason he may have worked alone is sin. Sin has a way of isolating you. When he was alone, he was free to pursue his own carnal desires. And a third reason that he worked alone could be pride. Pride doesn't want to share the credit, so pride works alone. I remember years ago there was a a tech guy in the ministry that I was involved in and I asked him to train some other people and in case he was gone sometime and I was shocked at his response I was stunned at his response he said why should I I learned all of this by myself why should I show someone else how to do it wow pride works alone Pride does not want to share the credit. Samson is a reminder to each of us how much we need each other. We're we're limited as we act alone. As we delegate, as we share responsibility, as we brainstorm, as we network together, the cap of, of what we can accomplish grows exponentially. Working alone limits us to one place at one time. We have limited time, limited strength, limited energy, limited resources. No matter how great you are, you can only do one person's work. Working alone was a significant limiting factor in Samson's life. Is it a limiting factor in your life, too? I'm always trying to impart this concept to our ministry leaders here at Central Assembly. And, and, and consider this, ministry leaders, another reminder to build your team. Do not work alone. If you head up one of our ministries here, 
whether it's a prayer ministry, a, a hospitality ministry, the nursery, a Christian ed ministry, maybe you're a connect group leader, or you're on a building and grounds ministry, build your team. Be continuously building your team. Find people called in your area and recruit them. It will be better for you. It will be better for the people that you minister to. And it will be better for us as a church. Don't make Samson's mistake. Don't work alone. Build your team. Now this applies to staff for sure. But I'm really talking to our ministry leaders and our future ministry leaders within the congregation. As a ministry leader, you need to spend, hear me now, as a ministry leader, you need to spend a larger portion of your time recruiting people to help and less time doing the actual work. The end result is you will find people to share the load. You will involve people who are otherwise uninvolved and you will get more done. I learned early on in ministry that you're only as good as the people around you. I shudder to think of where we would be without the staff and volunteers of Central Assembly. If you could see behind the scenes here, you would come to realize all the moving parts. You would see all the pieces to the puzzle and how it all works together. In fact, we, we do Samuel a disservice by calling him our youth pastor. He, he's much more than that. He's, he's an associate pastor. One of his areas of ministry is youth. We're beginning to give more to Amanda as she grows into her position. And I don't know what I would do without Wendy. I've, I've found... I found lately that much of what I instruct Wendy to do, my administrative assistant, she's already done. And that says something. Meanwhile, little by little, Matt Zimmer is taking over more of the administrative aspects of the day-to-day -day operation. I wish you could see all that Matt does for us. He gets part-time pay with full-time responsibilities. There's an old leadership adage and you have to think about this. It sounds simple, but you have to think about this a little bit. But the old leadership adage is, only do what only you can do. Only do what only you can do. Having Matt, Samuel, Amanda, Wendy, and our army of Central Assembly volunteers keep me doing what I should be doing. I, I, and I think spreading the ministry around is healthy for the church, healthy for all of us. And it's the most profitable and productive and effective way to do what we do. We believe in the priesthood of believers. That means we're all in this together, right? So let me encourage you, ministry leaders, and keep in mind, I'm taking precious time out of my sermon because of how important this is. Build your team. Don't wait for people to come to you. Go into the highways and the byways and recruit. Listen to me. Your best people, your A-list volunteers are out there somewhere waiting to be asked. But Samson, he worked alone. 
And in the end, he would wind up a slave to his weaknesses and a slave to his arch enemies, the Philistines. But one day, according to verse 22 in Judges chapter 16, one day, according to verse 22, it says, his hair began to grow again. Let's be clear, the hair wasn't really the deal. God's presence was the source of Samson's strength. The hair was a symbol of the vow of the Nazarite. When his hair was cut, it pictured the loss of his faith and how God had departed from him and how he was left on his own. But now, according to verse 22, his hair began to grow again. It was a sign of a reinstating of the Nazarite vow. Perhaps as he toiled at the mill, he contemplated how he had failed God. It appears as though he repented. And now in his desperation, he calls out to the true source of his strength. Verse 23 and following says, Then the lords of the Philistines gathered together for a great sacrifice unto Dagon their god. And to rejoice, for they said, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may come and make us sport, that he may, in other words, that he may perform for us. They called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. The Philistines were at a great feast honoring their god Dagon, their god of choice. We all have a god of choice, right? For some of us, it's self. For some, it's money or success or power or sex or approval or whatever it is that that drives us. We all have a God of choice. Hopefully, your God of choice is Jesus. For the Philistines, it was Dagon, the half-fish, half-man deity. And they decided to bring Samson out, make a spectacle of him. And this mentality was not uncommon back in the day. Conquering armies would often parade the defeated enemy ruler in front of great crowds. Sometimes severed heads of rival leaders would be displayed publicly in celebration of a victory rot. They were fun times. Samson was on display for the scorn of the Philistines. But ah, Samson's hair was beginning to grow again. Verse 26 says, And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house stands, that I may lean on them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And they were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. Samson called upon the Lord and said, Oh God, remember me. I pray, strengthen me. I pray only this once, O God, that I may be once, at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was 
borne up. In other words, they're the weight bearers. One with his right hand and one with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Verse 31, Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took his body, brought him up, buried him between Zorah and Eshtuel in the burying place of Manoah his father. He had judged Israel for 20 years. Samson finished strong. We'll give him that. Samson at least ended well. He he finished with a bang. He went out with a blaze of glory. And this was a devastating blow to the Philistines. All the lords of the Philistines were killed. All those guys who bribed Delilah into betraying Samson, they were killed. And many of the people, many of the the rank and file as well, 3,000 in all, according to verse 27. Given his situation at the end, it was a a great comeback. It was a, a great Hail Mary pass. It was a dramatic finish. A great come from behind win. He snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. And he got to die for God. If someone asked, would you die for God? How would you respond? I think many would say, yes, absolutely. And I believe many would. Some may be a little more measured in their response, a little more uncertain of how they would react in that moment. But I have a better question for you. Would you live for God? Samson died for God, and that's amazing. Given his desperate situation, man, he he finished well. But how much better it would have been for Samson to have lived his life for God. You may never have to look down the barrel of a gun and decide to die for Jesus. Most of us won't. But you make the decision every single day whether or not you will live for God. Samson had his faults, as did David and Peter and Jacob and all the other Bible greats. But At the end of his life, the Lord stood by him and rewarded his returning faith by answering his petition for strength to destroy the enemies of the Israelites in one final epic show of power. In Hebrews 11.32, Samson is mentioned as one of those who proved worthy of a better resurrection. Hebrews 11.32 says, And what, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of all the prophets. Samson made the list. And it's a, it's a pretty impressive list. He was recorded, think about this, in the faith chapter of the Bible. He was listed among the host of Bible greats and Bible heroes there in 
in Hebrews chapter 11. Abel and Enoch and Noah and Moses and Sarah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Come on now. That's an impressive list. We've talked a lot about Samson and his tragic loss of potential, but but what Samson reminds us of this morning is that it's never too late. Samson lived life his own way. He was selfish. He was pleasure-driven. He squandered opportunity after opportunity to impact the world for the kingdom of God. But today, his hair was beginning to grow again. And maybe that's where you are. You've lived life driven by your own desires, your own goals, your own plan. Maybe you've been drawn away after your own lust. Maybe you've lived for your God of choice and not the God of the Bible. Maybe you've served sin and you've served the world and you've served self. Perhaps you've wandered aimlessly through life. Maybe you've neglected God, neglected the call upon your life, neglected your gifting and missed out on and forsaken every opportunity that God put into your path. Samson reminds us it's not too late for you today. Maybe your hair is beginning to grow again. You know, I find verse 28 fascinating. It says, Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me and strengthen me. First of all, it says that he, that he called unto the Lord. That, that's where it starts, right? That's where the great comeback starts. He called out to the Lord. Samson's was a humble prayer. It started with remember me. It's a request for God to act on, on his behalf. Genesis 8.1 uses the same terminology in regards to Noah. Remember the flood came and it, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights and then it stopped raining but it took a long time for the, for the water to, to recede and so Noah's floating around on the boat. Genesis 8.1, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, God remembered Noah. It's like... I got that guy on the boat. I was on the other side of the universe, you know, and I forgot all about him. How long has he been there? You know. But that's not really what it means. It, 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 really, it really means that God was ready to act on Noah's behalf. God, God remembered Noah. It's a use of language in a different way than we're accustomed to, but it's a very powerful statement. And if you call out to God today, I believe God will remember you. He will act on your behalf. And I've got a little bit more to go in the sermon here, but I'd like the worship team to, to begin to make their way to the front. But if you could really still focus on what I'm saying, and in just a few minutes, we're going to open up the altars, and while the worship team is playing, you can make your way to the front, and you can come and pray, or you can come close and push in and worship. Um, but I also find verse 26 interesting. Samson, you're gonna, if you listen to me, and I know there's going to be some movement here, but if you listen to me, you're going to see some real irony here, okay? Verse 26, Samson, the guy who always worked alone, the guy who didn't need anybody, now needs a little boy to take his hand and lead him around. Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, the Bible says. 
Let me feel the pillars. Let me feel the weight bearers whereupon the house stands that I may lean on them. Help me, he says. Guide me. Lead me. The one who never needed help. The one who always worked alone was asking for help. You see, his hair was beginning to grow again. And God was ready to act on Samson's behalf. Let's face it. Samson had failed miserably. He had fallen prey to more than one Philistine woman. But God hadn't give up on him. God was waiting for the right moment to intervene and, and to bring about the greatest good. God was about to remember Samson. Then Samson said, strengthen me. It's a great prayer, but let's not, let's not miss how significant this is. This, this is Samson. This is the strong man of Israel asking God to strengthen him. This is Samson finally figuring out how it's supposed to work. This is Samson letting go of his pride and letting go of his independence. I wonder if any of us today have a spirit of self-sufficiency. I wonder how often we miss out on what God has to offer simply because we never asked him to help. Finally, in his weakness, Samson says, strengthen me. Oh God, strengthen me. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9 says it well. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, Paul says, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Previously, Samson had tried to hide his weakness with his strength. Now by faith he called upon God and, and found God's strength in his weakness. It's never too late. Maybe today, maybe today, your hair is beginning to grow again. Your weakness does not disqualify you. In fact, God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. Just pray. Oh God, remember me. Oh God, strengthen me. It's interesting to me that, that Samson dies in the attaining of his victory. We're more accustomed to the winner not only surviving, but thriving. For us, winners are lauded and champions celebrated. We're used to victory parades and great celebrations. To the victor goes the spoil, we say. The champion is king of the hill. Not in this case. Instead, he stretched out his arms and he died. He, he gave his all. He gave his life for the cause that was set before him. And it makes me think of another who stretched out his arms and died. And his name was Jesus. He gave his all. He gave his life to defeat his enemy and accomplish the victory on our behalf. He's our God of choice. Maybe you've been strong. Maybe you've been independent. 
There's a part of all that that's commendable. But sometimes we keep God at arm's length, don't we? Sometimes I think he's, he's just waiting for us to look to him, to call out to him. He looks at us and says, I'm waiting for the day that you realize how much you need me. And then in your weakness, I'll be made strong. And so this morning as this series comes to an end, you know, and I don't know what, what you got out of it, But I just want to come and, and kind of seal the deal at the altar as the worship team plays. And, and again, I'll watch the clock for you. You don't even have to worry about that. We'll let you go on time. But if you could just come and kneel in prayer or, or gather in prayer, wherever, just find a place, just press in, just come. Don't let there be a big gap in front. Come and press in. Ask God what he wants to speak to you, how he wants to speak to you through the, the series on Samson. Spend these last few minutes in worship. Just get lost in his presence. Times of refreshing. They come from the presence of the Lord. Acknowledge your need. Tell him that you're not as strong as you pretend to be and that you really need him. I think that's what he's waiting to hear. Lord, I pray for these folks. They're so responsive. I know they love you. I know they love you. I pray, Lord, that this morning they would seek your face. That you would pour yourself out upon them in spirit and in truth. That you would move in our midst in a mighty way. Lord, revive us again. Stir our hearts that we might accomplish all that you have for us. We pray that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. As the band begins to play, you can make your way to the front. The wind is watching every gesture of your hand. The waves of fear Collapse at your command. I know tomorrow when the pressure rushes in, you'll be there to rescue me again. What a mighty God! What a mighty God you are. What a mighty God, what a mighty God.